Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Hi, I'm Sarah Puel, co-host of Susie Orman's Women and Money. As we get ready for season two of our podcast, we wanted to share some of the best episodes from season one. We hope you enjoy listening. You know, over all the years that I've been doing this, and what I mean by that is dealing with people and their money, I've really learned a lot. And I've learned a lot, not so much about money, but I've learned a lot about people. Because what I've really realized is that how people are, who people are, really is reflected in the money that they have. And you can see it all the time. And over all of these years, I've come to realize that there were eight qualities, eight qualities that a woman can exhibit. And when she exhibits all eight of those qualities, that usually she lives a life of true wealth. And what I mean when I say true wealth isn't just that she has money, because the definition of true wealth is that which can never diminish. Money can go up and down, but true wealth really is just there. And I'm talking about the wealth of the inside besides money, the wealth that you know who you are, you know your own thoughts, you know your own power, and you feel like you are a wealthy woman simply because of who you are. And that's the type of wealth that all the money in the world could never buy. But what's also fascinating is that most of the time, when women feel that they're wealthy in that way, they also have money. So I would like to right now go over these eight qualities that over all these years that I've been doing this, that I find truly are the eight qualities of a wealthy woman. And when these qualities are all ticking at the same time, I promise you that all kinds of wealth will come your way. The first quality is harmony. It is very, very important that what you think, say, and do is one. You have got to be in harmony with your thoughts. You have got to be in harmony with your feelings, and you have got to be in harmony with your actions. It is not okay to think, oh, I wish I had more money. Oh, I was thinking it, I think it. And you feel like, I'm never going to have money. I don't deserve it. It's not okay to think and feel that you want more money, yet take absolutely no actions whatsoever to get it. Your words and your thoughts and your actions are more powerful than you have any idea. They have the power to create or the power to destroy, and the choice is up to you. When your thoughts are in one boat, 
and your feelings are in another boat. It's like having one leg in one boat and a leg in another boat. And if those boats start to separate, you fall in the water. You have to have your thoughts, your words, and your actions all in one boat, all in harmony with each other. And when you can do that, you have the first quality of a wealthy woman. Second quality, balance. Have you ever noticed if you walk up to somebody and they're not in balance and you push them, they will fall down. But if you have both feet firmly planted on the ground and you are in balance in every part of your life, you're in balance with your family, you're in balance with work, you're in balance with your health, you're in balance with your money, you're in balance. Everything about you is firmly planted with two feet on the ground. No matter what you come up against, no matter what pushes at you, you will not fall over. The third quality, courage. You need courage to have harmony and to have balance, my friends. It takes courage to say what you are thinking. It takes courage to do what you are feeling. Women, you are so good at thinking one thing, yet saying another. Feeling one thing, yet doing another. You've heard me talk about this before. It takes courage to say no out of love for yourself versus yes out of fear how everybody else is going to think about you. It takes courage to stand up for what's right and to do what's right versus doing what's easy. It takes courage to be able to always know your own thoughts and to express them, even if they're not popular. But you've got to do that, because if you don't do that, you are living a lie. And when you are living a lie, you don't have harmony and you don't have balance. So with courage, you say, think, and do what's true for you, and you stay in balance and then we have the three qualities of a wealthy woman ticking. And when you're able to do that, the next quality is generosity. Now, I'm sure as you hear me saying generosity, you're thinking, oh, I'm generous. I give to others. That's not what I'm talking about, women. Generosity is when you not only are giving a gift to somebody else, but that gift is also a gift to yourself. When you give a gift that puts you in credit card debt, that is not a generous act. That is a selfish act because that is a lie. If you can't afford to pay for something, then you're being selfish to yourself. And you know why else it's selfish? Because chances are the person that you have given the gift to can't afford to give you a gift, but now they feel guilty that you gave them something and now they feel like they have to give you something back. So now they go into credit card debt. So your selfishness caused them to go into debt. True generosity is when it is a gift, not only for the person that you're giving it to, but for yourself as well. And you have to think about when you give things to people, how that makes the other person feel. Will it make them feel that they're indebted to you? 
Will them? Will it make them feel bad because they can't afford to give you something back? So think about generosity in a whole different way. Think about it with your thoughts and your words and your actions. Is it kind to that person and is it kind to yourself? When you are being truly generous and courageous and you're in balance and have harmony, you are happy. And when you are happy, that is the fifth quality of a wealthy woman. Because when you are happy, you love getting up in the morning. You love doing everything that you're doing. You exude power to the world and you actually make this world a better place. Because you don't bring upon it your sorrow and your problems and things that are going wrong with you. You shed your light upon this world. And when you are happy, you have energy. And when you have energy, you have power. And that's when the sixth quality of a wealthy woman comes into play. And that's known as cleanliness. Wealth cannot dwell in filth. When you are clean, meaning you have order, your house has the paperwork in order, everything has a place to it, you then are respectful of everything around you. When you live in a cluttered mess, you can't find your bills, so you don't pay your bills on time, you have five white turtlenecks, but you can't find any of them, so you go out and you buy a sixth one, you just cannot Be a wealthy woman. When you live in filth, it is because you don't think you deserve to live a clean and spotless life. You go into anybody's house, and if it is dirty, and it has everything in disorganization, that says a lot about that person. So it is essential that you have everything in order around you, and that you live a very clean life, both inside and out. So when I say inside, I mean, what do you eat? What do you drink? Do you treat your body in a clean way as if it is the temple of your life? Because guess what? It is. So when you are clean inside and out, then the seventh quality starts to happen and you feel beautiful. And I am not talking about the beauty that when you walk in a room and everybody goes, look at that gorgeous woman. No, I'm talking about the beauty that radiates out of you so that when you walk into a room or you do anything and people see you, there is something about you that they just love. They look at you and they go, oh my God, what a beautiful woman. Because they're not just looking at your outside appearance. They are feeling the inside beauty that you have created by the original six qualities of a wealthy woman that were before this. And the last quality of a wealthy woman is wisdom. For when you have harmony and balance, courage, generosity, happiness, cleanliness, and beauty all ticking. Then you have this wisdom about you, the wisdom to make wise choices, to know what to do with your money, 
to know when to say no, to know when to say yes, to actually become the masters of your own financial destiny. And these are the qualities, wisdom, beauty, cleanliness, happiness, generosity, courage, balance, and harmony. It is these qualities that we're going to try to bring to life during this podcast. Whoa, Susie, that was a lot to take in. You think so, Sarah? You know, it's a lot to take in, but it's really what life is all about, especially if you want to be a wealthy woman. It was a lot. I mean, I kept asking myself, am I doing these things? Am I behaving this way? And you said um, you started going through harmony, balance, courage, and you made a comment about when you have these, you can move on to generosity. So let me ask you a question. Is that where I have to start? Do I have to start with harmony, balance, and courage? Maybe not necessarily in that order, but do those three work together? Those three work together because, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, for a woman to say what she is thinking and to do what she is feeling, it takes courage. But sometimes you have to know why you need to summon up your courage. Why do you need to call upon it? And you call upon it when you want to be one with your words and your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. So courage, harmony, and balance really all do work together. It's very hard to have harmony if you don't have courage. And it's very hard to have balance if you don't have harmony and you don't have the courage to have the harmony. So all of those things, those three, which is why I lumped them together, really kind of have to tick at the same time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So can we talk about them individually a little bit? Can you tell me what you think, what you say, and what you do is one? I I feel like we've all experienced that when you're standing across next to somebody and you're thinking something, but then you say the polite thing. And in fact, if you listen to the Mother's Day episode, I, I tried to give your mom an excuse for her behavior. And you said, no, 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 that's not really what you think about that. That's, you know, can you talk to me about that? How do you do it? It's very hard in practice. How can I practice that? You just do it. You know, I have this thing that the first thing that you think or the first thing that you feel, I have this theory and I call it a sponda that that's almost as if God himself is talking to you or God herself is talking to you. And we, on the other hand, we think this pure thought or we have this pure feeling. And then what happens is our mind sets in and it literally squelches the purity of that sponda. And then we do something else. So what's key here is the first thing that comes to your mind The first thing that you feel, the first thing that you want to say is usually the truth. And it's what happens after we hear or think or feel the truth, Sarah, that then we go off base. So the way that you do these things, you just do it. So let me ask you, I've got a question from a woman named Lizzie, and she says, When I'm so afraid of hurting somebody else's feelings, where do I find the courage to say what I'm thinking if I know it'll hurt them? And I think this is a crossover between where harmony and courage work together. 
So Lizzie, here's what I would tell you. I have another saying that goes like this. Sometimes helping is hurting and sometimes hurting is helping. And let me give you an example that happened to me just the other day. I have a friend who happens to be an alcoholic and he has a very difficult time admitting to himself and everybody else that he is an alcoholic. And I happen to be someplace with him and he has tried so many times to stop and he just says, okay, it's not a big deal. I can just have one glass of wine before you know it. He's totally drunk or whatever's going on with him. And I was somewhere and I watched him buy three drinks for three younger women. They were in their 20s, not so young, but they're younger than him. And I just watched that. And I went up to those girls and I said, you are not to allow him to drink. He is an alcoholic. He gets out of control. I don't care if you drink, that's up to you. But if you care about this man, you are not going to let him have any liquor. Do you hear me, girls? And they just went, yes. And with that, I walked away. Now think about that. That was a very harsh Susie smackdown. And everybody else around me was like, did you just hear what Susie did? And everybody was so nervous. Like, how could you have done that, Susie? Today, another friend of mine ran into him. And he told that friend, he said, Susie gave me a serious smackdown. But you know what? It's true. I am an alcoholic and I do have a problem. And she has helped me so much. Because that was the first time that I've known him, that he has admitted that he is an alcoholic and that he has a problem. Now, I didn't think about what I was saying. I just said what came to me because somebody had to finally say it to help him. So that's when you summon up faith in yourself as well, Sarah, that I'm sure many people will go, oh my God, why did you have to do that? You shouldn't have embarrassed him, which is why he's still drinking to this day and one day could possibly get in a car, kill somebody. And then I'm thinking to myself, Susie Orman, what are you doing to help this man who I really love and I think is a good person? When Lizzie, you have a problem and you are afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, think about why you are afraid of that. Why do you have people even in your life that you are afraid to say what you are thinking or feeling or that you want to do something with? Why, Lizzie? If you're a good person and what you're saying is kind and it's necessary and it's true and sometimes it's kind when you speak the truth, even if it hurts, it's necessary and it's true, then True transformation can start to come about, not only for yourself because you're doing what's true for you, but you're also doing it out of love for somebody else. So don't think that if you love somebody, all you say are things that pacify them and that they want to hear. That is false compassion. You want to say things that you are thinking and you just have to summon up the courage and go for it, girlfriend. Next question, Sarah. So, um... Jennifer wants to know, is balance, on balance, are you talking about work-life balance that we hear all about? She's having a hard time understanding the concept of balance when it comes to your family, your work, your health, your money. How do you create that without one of them being lesser than the others? 
For me, in all the years that I've been doing this, I personally never saw a difference between my work life and my personal life. I saw it as my life and that I gave equal balance to everything. And there are times when you have to give more energy to work than you do your family. There are times when you have to put work aside and give that energy to your family and or the people around you. But you know when you are in balance, because when you're in balance, you feel solid. You don't feel pulled one way and then pulled another way and then not know what to do. Do you go up? Do you go down? Do you stay? Do you do nothing? Do you go? You just feel like you're solid. Like every move that you make is solid. And in the beginning of this podcast, I gave you an example of when you are off balance. You're off balance. You get up and you feel a little dizzy or something. You can fall. You can hurt yourself. You bump up against something. You're off. Something is wrong. And you can feel in your body when you're not in balance. You know, physically speaking, psychologically speaking, you also can feel when you are off balance. When your thoughts stray, when you just have all these craziness going on in you. So when that starts to happen, you just stop. You just stop. And what is taking you out of balance? Is it your feelings about how you're working? Are you doing something that you don't want to do? What's going on in your life that's causing you confusion? Another word for, for you know, being out of balance is being confused. Because when you're confused, you're not in balance. So these are very subtle things, Sarah. But they're all things that hopefully everybody listening to can relate to because you know, you know when something is right and you know when something is wrong. And when something is wrong, you are out of balance. What else you got for me? Okay, Susie, then let's move on to generosity. This is one before I ask question from our group of women. I want to know how you learned about generosity and how you decided what it really meant from, you know, the qualities of, of a wealthy woman. I learned it two ways. Number one, the first way I learned it is I was somewhere and there was a um, very distinguished person that people were giving gifts to. And somebody gave this person a little tiny horse. It was a miniature horse. It was the cutest thing I had ever seen. And I thought, oh my God, that's such a great gift. And then the person that was receiving it said to everybody, who's going to feed this horse? Who's going to take care of this horse? You've just given me a gift. And now I have the responsibility of housing this horse, feeding this horse, making sure this horse is okay. This, that's all going to take a lot of money. Are you sure this was a gift to me? Are you positive about that? So that was one side of generosity. The other way I learned about it was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And there was a woman who had credit card debt, who didn't have a penny to her name. Her car had just been repossessed that she was living in. She had no place to live. She had nothing, even though she was making money. I don't know why she wasn't able to keep any of it. And she was so proud that she was tithing at least 10% of her gross pay to the church. And I thought to myself when I heard that, that's great that you're being so generous to others, to God, but are you being generous to yourself because you can't afford it? 
You don't have the money to feed your kid, to pay your bills, to get a car, to do anything, and yet you're still tithing. Now, you can have your opinions on this one way or the other. If someone should tithe, one should not tithe. But I will forever believe that when you give, you give a respectful amount, not only, you know, to those that you're giving it to, but to yourself as well. And in her case, there was no amount that was respectable because she had no money. So then she becomes, in my opinion, a burden on God, so to speak. So I've started to learn it in the ways that I just told you. And that's how I came up with a lot of the things that I came up with, especially watching women give to others when they didn't have the money to do so and give it to themselves. Susie, that's so interesting. It reminds me of a caller that you and I chatted with, Michelle. And we were telling her about the Women in Money community that we're getting ready to build. And the very first thing she said to us was, if there's women that can't afford to join, I'll sponsor a woman. And this is somebody who is behind in her retirement savings. What did you say to her? I told her, no, no, no way. That the gift you have to give to yourself is not by helping others who can't afford something. Like if Michelle had had all this money and she hadn't called in um, about being afraid and all these fears and the shame that she has and that she had enough money, great. But in her head, she was a pauper. In her head, she didn't have that money. So in her head, until she could change how she feels about her whole her own life, she wasn't she's not able to, in my opinion, give to others because she's always given to others. And the sacrifice has been her giving to herself in her own retirement accounts. So I told her, no, she's not going to do that that she's going to spend this next six months or a, or a year doing nothing but giving to herself. And that was such a foreign thing for her. Like, no, but my job is to give. Remember, everybody, as women, your nature is to nurture. Your nature is to take care of everybody else before you take care of yourselves. Sometimes, if you can just stop that nature that nature-nurture aspect of yours for just a little bit and give to yourself the things that you need to give to yourself so that you don't have fear, you don't have shame, you don't have anger. You're not in the situation where like, how am I going to deal with my life? I'm not going to be able to retire. If you could just give that to yourself for a while, then you could become the strong women, wealthy women that you are meant to be. And then you can give to everybody else at that time as well. But you sometimes first have to give to yourself. Go on, girlfriend, more people? Yeah, here's another question for you. It comes from Susan. She wants to know, is there some trick or technique that she can use to remind her of these qualities so that she can always be mindful and living them? There is. I would write these qualities out if I were you, and I would put them in a place that I could see them. I don't care if that's on your refrigerator door, next to your bed. Maybe you can have a nice little card made up of them and list them. And just every morning, every night before you go to bed, look at them and just do the exercise and ask yourself, did I exhibit any of these or all of these or some of these qualities today? What would I have done differently if I had been thinking about it? Because it's very important, Sarah, that before these just become automatic to you, because all of these qualities now reside in me as the truth 
I don't have to think about it anymore. I live every one of these qualities. They are a part of my breath. They are a part of the fabric of my soul. And they are the reason that I became Susie Orman. And that I have what I have. And I feel like I feel. And therefore, I don't have to be reminded of them anymore. But at the beginning, I think it's really important that you have them in a place or put them on your iPhone or something. You get a reminder every day sent to you that simply says, have you been harmonious, um, balanced, courageous, generous, happy, clean, beauty, wisdom? Have Have you been those things today? So you might want to create an eight qualities of a wealthy woman journal and write it down and watch your own progression. That's what I would do to help remind myself of what I needed to do. Uh, let's turn then to happiness. I want to, I want to talk about happiness. When I, when I was listening to you talk about it, I feel like everybody says, I want my kids to be happy. I want to be happy. In fact, when the kids wake up in, in the morning, they say, are you happy today? And it feels that like this very big, big, big thing. Yet I totally agree with you that when you're happy, you exude this power to the world, you have energy, and with energy, you have power. But how do I make happiness real and tangible in my life? By living the truth and only doing that which you really want to do. I'll never forget when I was on The View. And Barbara Walters was still on it. And she looked at me and she said, why are you so happy all the time? And I looked at her and I said, because I never do anything that I don't want to do. And she looked at me and it was like, oh, my God, that was just such a new revelation for her. And that is how I live my life. I do nothing other than what I want to do. And if I have to do something, then I, and I don't want to do it, and I end up doing it, I learn from that experience because that is what usually makes somebody unhappy. Because I believe inside of ourselves that when we're just left and we're in peace and we're in harmony and we're feeling in balance and we're doing everything that's courageous and we feel like we're generous, we become happy because we're living a very true life. And I understand sometimes you have to go to work and you don't want to go to work and you don't want to do this. And you think if you change your job, that will make you happy and things like that. Rather than change things like that, change your attitude towards it. Instead of griping about, I wish I didn't have to do this, I don't want to do that, because I have to admit there were times, I mean, you know, Sarah, there was a 10-year period of time that I did not spend more than one day in one city. I worked 20 hours a day, seven days a week for 10 years straight. There was one month that I flew 70,000 miles in one month. That was a 1998 coach. Now, I have to tell you, I didn't necessarily want to do that. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm exhausted, really, everybody. But I changed my thoughts to embrace what was happening to me so that I wanted to do that. And every time somebody said to me, Susie, do you want to do this show? Do you want to do this? I'd say, yes, 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 because I wanted to succeed. I wanted 
to make it. I wanted to become who I became. So I think the key, the true key to happiness is obviously always speaking the truth, always doing what is right versus doing what is easy, but also only doing that which you want to do so that you can live a life that you want to live. Obviously, things are going to come along, such as illnesses, breakups, deaths, divorces, and you will go through periods of time when you're not happy. But those are external forces that are, you know, having a direct effect on you. And when you're just normally by yourself and it's just you, and you can sometimes separate yourself from those, you'll see that there's a seed of happiness there that you just have to cultivate. So it's not that you always are able to live a happy life, Sarah, but you sure can work on it in every possible way. Okay, so let's switch gears to cleanliness, and I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this one, I think. So, Susie, I need to I, I need to confess in the Susie confessional here about cleanliness. I I do love clean space. I love to not have junk around. I love to throw things away. I love it. However, my husband, who you know very well, Kevin, he gets sentimental about some things. And when he moved out of his bachelor pad, we got a storage unit and I put some stuff in the storage unit too. I'm I'm guilty as charged. And about a year later, and in San Francisco, it's not cheap. Um, Let me stand my truth for for a moment here. $18,000 later, I said, we got to get rid of this. We're not using any of the stuff. We haven't looked at it in a year. We need to get rid of it. And we had a little bit of an argument. That afternoon, we got home and we got an email from Susie Orman. And, you know, the email that goes out to the people who subscribe to your list. And wouldn't you know it, the topic was the waste of money of a storage unit. And we just laughed so hard. And within a week, we had gotten rid of the storage unit. But I can tell you there was having that clutter in our life was causing a problem between us. And it's not only causing a problem between the two of you. It was really such a waste of money. You know, I'll never forget on, I think it was on 2020. I can't remember what show I was on. You know, there's a time I was on every single possible show. And And we went into this person's house that had so much clutter, I cannot even begin to tell you You had to step over stuff. So we did this exercise. And the exercise was, you have two minutes to get out. There is a fire. It's going to destroy this entire place. Grab what means something to you and run. And here's this, he was actually quite a big guy. He's grabbing some pictures, this few things and blah, 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 blah. And he's out of there. And now we're standing outside of his apartment on the street. And I said, do you understand? Look at what you grabbed. Look at what's important to you. Nothing else in that apartment is important to you. So why are you keeping it? And, you know, the answer to that question, Sarah, the reason why I think we hold on to all these things that we don't need is it is our profound fear of loss that keeps us from gain. We're afraid of losing something, and these things mean something. And when I really learned about the the perils of clutter is as you get older and you see people dying, and then what do the kids do with all of this junk that their parents have left to them? And they end up throwing it out and feeling so guilty 
So a lot of times I say to the elderly people, can you do that job for your kids and not leave it up to your kids to take care of your mess that you can't deal with? So it's such a complicated subject because everything has such emotional value. But KT will tell you, if it were up to me, I would throw everything away. I would keep absolutely nothing, no things except for my coins from the military. Really, nothing like that really means anything to me. I actually even look at my two Emmy Awards and my eight Gracie Awards and all of these awards that I have that I've kept. And I think, what's somebody going to do with these? Where are these going to go? Who even is going to care about them? I think, why even keeping those things, Susie Orman? But I understand that KT is a little bit more sentimental than I am. But cleanliness, getting rid of clutter, opening your hands up, just getting out of there and letting things go is really something that I subscribe to on every possible level. Let me just ask one more question. This one comes from Fran, and this is a totally different question that I wasn't expecting. She says, my problem is a little different than I think most people have. I inherited a lot of money when I was younger. I mean, millions of dollars. But no one, including my husband, knows that I have that kind of money. So I have a ton of wealth. However, I could not feel any poorer than I do. I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like a fraud. And we actually struggle month to month to pay bills. Do you have any suggestions for me? Ah, Fran, how sad is that, Sarah? How seriously sad is that? What Fran is going through is the guilt of wealth, is feeling that she didn't deserve it, is feeling like nobody else around her has it, so she doesn't want to be different than those people, so she hides from it. Because God forbid she should be this multimillionaire, would people ask her for money, would people not like her anymore, would she have to give it to her friends because she feels so guilty, but it all comes down to her feeling that she doesn't deserve this money, partly because she didn't work for it, because she inherited it, who knows the stipulations that it came with. Partly because maybe she's afraid that if something were to happen, she would lose some of this money to her husband who could become her ex-husband. But it's just so ridiculous because there are ways to protect it. First of all, my dear Fran, you need to tell your husband, especially because you are struggling And any money that you came into this relationship with, as long as you keep it in your individual name and you never put it in a joint account, nobody can ever take that money away from you. So it's probably her fear on some level of not wanting to lose it because it's not hers. It's really her parents. And so she's even overly, more overly protective of it. And Who knows the type of relationship she has, but this is a woman who doesn't feel like a wealthy woman. She doesn't have harmony. So this is a perfect example. She doesn't have harmony because she's not talking about the truth on any level. She doesn't have any balance in her life because she can't afford to pay her bills right now. They're struggling and she's a multimillionaire. She has absolutely no courage at all because she doesn't have the courage to tell everybody what she has. There's no generosity being displayed because she can't even give herself the gift of enjoying that which her parents gave her. There's no way that she could possibly be happy about it. 
Because how are you happy when you're hiding who you are from the people that you love the most? She can't display cleanliness, at least inwardly, because she's living an absolute lie. So there's no way that she can feel like a beautiful woman because she's living an absolute lie. And she's not, she's not displaying any wisdom on any level about these choices because she's suffering financially. She's not making the most out of this money. She's not doing anything like that. And didn't she say in her email that she feels the poorest wealthy woman that she knows or something like that? Yeah, she did. She did. Right. Right. And so that's what I'm talking about, women, is you have to own all of of these eight qualities. And Fran is a multimillionaire who is impoverished, who is, you know, who is, has not an ounce of wealth within her. Because remember, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, when I'm talking about wealth, I'm not just talking about money. I am talking about the inner wealth that all the money in the world can never buy. And when you have that inner wealth, you love the money that you have. You enjoy the money that you have. You share the money that you have. You have power over the money that you have. And so you have inner wealth, you have outer wealth, and you have a perfect life, hopefully, at that point in time. So money is not the goal of the Women in Money podcast. Maybe, Sarah, we need to change it to Women of Wealth because that is the goal. The goal is for you to have wealth both inside and out. And Fran is the perfect example of what happens when you don't have any of the eight qualities of a wealthy woman. It's an excellent reminder that where we all need to begin on this journey of becoming a wealthy woman is to start with these eight qualities. So with that, Susie, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Are you ready to do the do it moment? I am so ready to do the do it moment. So let's do it now. We've been talking about the eight qualities of a wealthy woman. I want you to write them down. Harmony, balance, courage, generosity, happiness, cleanliness, beauty, and wisdom. And I want you to look at those eight qualities. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, do I exude harmony? Yes or no? Write it down. Do I exude balance? Yes or no? Do I exude courage? Yes or no? Do I exude generosity? Yes or no? Do I exude happiness? Yes or no? Do I exude cleanliness? Yes or no? Do I exude beauty? Yes or no? And do I exude wisdom? Yes or no? Then I want you to look at the list. And for every one of those qualities that you answer no to, I want you to think about what you can do to turn that no into a yes. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that deep down inside each and every one of you, you all have those eight qualities. You're just waiting to discover them yourselves. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. 
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.